Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Supervalue Insurance. Looking out for you and yours with our new life and mortgage protection insurance. Tweet at Miriam O'Call. Now, I want to introduce you to a woman who is a legend already in Crumlin here in Dublin. Sister Bernadette has been involved in bringing music to everybody and not just to those people who can afford music lessons. The centre she set up, St Agnes's Community Centre for Music and the Arts, is celebrating 10 years with an upcoming concert and today we're celebrating Sister Bernadette herself. Sister Bernadette, good morning to you. Good morning, Miriam. I'm so happy you're here because I know you a long time but I want to introduce you to my listeners. First of all I want to know about you. Where did you grow up and who encouraged you to take up music? Well Miriam I grew up in Walkinstown. I'm the eldest of 10 and we didn't have a lot of money growing up but we had a wonderful parents that gave us everything. And I learned piano. I went to speech and drama. I went to dancing all these things. My mother had an exquisite voice and my father and mother used to sing together, but they were non-competitive. Their main musical journey was a soul journey and they communicated to us a wonderful love of music. And that music they always felt was for everybody. It was not, it wasn't exclusive. So because of that, I always wanted to make sure that every child that passed through my hands would be introduced to the gift of music in whatever genre it might be that would be their heart's desire. Our own foundress, Mother Mary Aikenhead, was the person that uh, I was inspired by when she said, I wasn't inspired by everything, but when she said, She'd like to give to all what the rich can buy for money. Mm. And that to me, uh, I felt, why should we have some people, because they've money, why do we equate greatness and talent with money? Because my experience has been those who haven't money and never got a chance, when you give them a chance, what I discovered was they're unencumbered by the trappings of grandeur and success. So you get a very spontaneous reaction from children. For example, children in the inner city, the children in Cromlin, they name it as it is. That's so interesting. But look, let's go back to you. So you mentioned, obviously, Sister Mary Aikenhead. You became a sister of charity. At what age, Bernadette, did you decide to become a nun? Um, Was that something you always thought about as a young girl? I never really uh, thought about being a nun. I wanted, I suppose, when I analysed my vocation, I would say I'm a woman of the universe with a bigger vision than a family would contain. I am. Um, I was never inspired by institutions or rigidity, but I was deeply inspired by the commitment of great women. And what I felt was I'd give the Lord the first go. And if he didn't want me, then I'd think of something else. My own father deeply inspired me. I was going to mass and he had a great admiration for poetry and music and this and nature. And I was going over and I felt this magnetic sky. And I said, there's a great divine source, whatever you call it, God, Muhammad, whatever it is, is a great source. And that source created this universe. Nobody has pinpointed a first mover. So I said, well, maybe there is something there and I'll give it a go. But I think my parents were saints because I never realised the magnanimity of what I was doing as an eldest daughter. 
entering the convent and my parents fully supported me but they benefited in the end because I took them on holidays every year since I entered. Oh, that's so sweet. So when you told them you were going to be a nun, how old were you? And were they worried or were they pleased? Uh, they were, they're both uh, spiritual rather than deep. Religious, my father was quite religious, but they had a great faith in a divine source. And when I said that I'd like to uh, enter, I was about, I'd say it was about 18 before I decided. My mother said, I remember her one night saying, I, I can't believe she's going, but I must realise it's what a mother must do. Okay. To see that vision. And my father then would say, well, he who puts her hand to the plough will better see it through. And we had great fun. He had a marvellous sense of humour, you know. Were you lonely, like 18-year-olds, when you think of them today? I mean, when you went in Bernadette as about an 18-year-old to a convent to become a nun, Mm. were you lonely? Did you find it very hard? Uh, Well, I I think the way I looked in it was, Miriam, I kind of had one foot in and one foot out. So I never got totally caught, but I kept my allegiance to the good Lord and I said... I I felt always free, as people often said, how did you survive religious life? You're such a free spirit. I said, that's the reason I survived. And what I said, I didn't want to be a free spirit. I wanted everyone else to be a free spirit as well. So Mm. I always felt very free. And I would have, had it not been the life for me, I would have left. But I have to admit, Miriam, I met fantastic human beings inside those convent walls some fantastic women with great vision, women that went out and sacrificed everything on the missions. Of course, there were lonely times, but I knew that once I could go back in home for one night, then I chose the order. But before I entered, I think they had to change the date of the entrance because I said I had promised the family to go to the Sound of Music before I entered. (laughs) So what's the funny thing is my youngest brother was only five and for years he told me, I thought... Mary was Maria in The Sound of Music and that they, that they were all her nuns that we went to see. <laughs> oh, so, so they lovely. had this, this, this notion and he was deeply musical himself, you know. So tell me about this incredible work you've done for years in Crumlin here in Dublin. When did you get the invitation to come and work in Crumlin? Was it an invitation or was it an order? It was, I was um, 15 years in principalship in two different schools, in Dundrum, uh, St. Columbanus Road in Dundrum and I was 10 years in the Sisters of Charity School of Wirren and Angle in Clonmel. And after 15 years, I was in America for a year on a sabbatical and I did a humanist programme and did a lot of visiting and I was in touch with the Native Americans and a lot of bigger picture stuff. Mm. But then I thought it would be nice to do something different. But I got a, a letter from the provincial and she said, we have this school in Crumlin and I'd like you to think about it. Um, if you, we want somebody to take it over, they said it is a, a disadvantaged area, which I don't like the title. I say a debt area, delivering mm. equality in schools. So I said, well, I'll give it a go. I said, if I can make a difference, I will go there. But if not, I won't be able to survive because the monotony of of the same thing, principalship and that, even though I empowered many people because I worked in a circle. I don't believe in hierarchies. I believe Mm. in the circle of life, like the Native Americans empowered the circle. And what I did was I never felt weight of responsibility because we all held it together. I had a different job, but they were all in the circle. That's so interesting. So you 
obviously did take over St. Agnes's in Crumlin. You revolutionised mm. it. But just interestingly, you mentioned you went to America just before that for a year and a sabbatical. And you even mentioned the Native Americans there, the circle. So do you think what you experienced in America and that humanist approach that that did create a big vision for you and change you almost. Well, absolutely, Miriam. That was my changing point because the person that was directing the programme that I was on said to me, Bernadette, you need oodles and oodles of freedom and a very wide pasture. Then I began to think and what I felt was when I saw those beautiful children in Cromlin, I used to conduct some of the national children's choirs around the country. And when I saw those beautiful children in Cromlin, and I said to myself, they are so spontaneous, it would be lovely to give them a chance. And then I met that wonderful lady, Dr Joanna Crooks. So we were meant to meet. We were both different, we're both complementary. Tell us and about her then. Joanna was manager of the National Youth Orchestra. She had extensive experience abroad too. She belongs to the Jeunesse Musicale uh, group, International Music uh, Committee, and I was on that committee and I met her. And then we, uh, I was, I actually asked her, I want a brilliant tin whistle teacher, I said to her, because I knew if some of these poor kids could play the tin whistle and play Happy Birthday, that they would be invited to parties, children that were left out. Mm. So she said, Bernadette, leave it with me. So then she came back to me and she said she was retiring as manager of the National Youth Orchestra and the heading on the paper was what was the National Youth Orchestra's loss was St Agnes's gain because she came and she taught the recorder and then after that the two of us said she said why not set up a violin project for the children. Now the thing is I said we said she maybe we do a few classes. No, I said, Joanna, we'll do it to every, every single child because I wanted everyone to be equal. Mm. And unless children experience what you're talking about, no point saying, would you like to learn the violin? They haven't a clue. But get them involved in the whole group situation and they feel equal to others. They're empowered. And did you find that initially in St. Agnes's, as you say, it's a Dutch school, a lot of families are struggling to survive. Mm. So, you know, they're not really probably thinking about playing a violin how did you go about convincing parents and children that this was something great to do and that you could provide it financially? It wasn't going to cost them money. Well, it was amazing the way it happened because children are very quick to tune into equality and those that get them. And so both of us anyway set it up. AIB, the Sister Charity, gave me an initial grant to get it going and a we won an AIB Better Ireland Award and then we were winning number of awards like awards that helped us to get violins and all of that. But the big thing was we decided we'd regularise it as part of the school curriculum. So on a Monday morning there was one class from we started with the early start, three year olds. They appeared outside the door at nine o'clock till half nine. The next class came at half nine till ten. And every child we had a teacher there and all these little mats on the floor so there was no delays they walked in. Their special needs assistants came with the teachers and if they had little children with autism, those children, they'd help them through and those children could go home and say to their friends, they're in an orchestra. Mm. It doesn't matter how they play, the orchestra can carry them. So then, of course, we thought that you cannot educate children in isolation. So we said uh, that we'd better try and get the parents involved. So a very funny thing happened about the parents. 
we sent loads of notes and Joanna said, did you get any response yet? She was up in the cook room and I was down running the school. I was 15 years as principal there. So I said, listen, Joanna, I'll send out another notice. So I sent out a notice to say, are you going to give away your part to your children? Are you going to take it yourselves? So they all came in the hall and they got a little sticker like the junior infants. They were in the hall and Joanna was upstairs, set up the orchestra, the double basses, the cellos. Parents all go up, some of the men and some of the women. And Joanna says, well, the fellas, we give them the double basses, give them their power. And they all got a different instrument and we had a conductor. So what happened was they did Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And everybody did a little bit of it. And the double basses and the cellos, the next in height got the cellos and the violas and the violins. So suddenly... They were able to play Twinkle Twinkle. They were all going home after the first time playing. They were in an orchestra. But the whole brilliant thing was the children could see their parents. And then we had side by side children playing with the parents. Then we had grandparents involved in it. And then as it all developed, like the whole thing was in 2006, we had the Little Violin Project. 2007, the European Year of Equality, we set up um, the first little orchestra. Then 2010, we launched the Parents Orchestra. And then we decided, in 2011, then we had the Music Society because we said some of the people in Cromlin are so dramatic. Wouldn't it be lovely to give them a stage? So that's when they found their niche. You have, Sister Bernadette, changed that school profoundly, but you've also changed the lives of so many people who live in that area. I know that from years yeah. of going up to different charity events in St yes. Agnes's. You've also had some great successes along the way. Now, this might not be what you play in the piano yourself, but let's hear from Jazzy, one of your graduates. Jazzy, of course, and giving me. And of course, last night, there she was, nominated for a Brit Award at the Awards. Tell me about Jazzy and some of the others who have made their mark in music because of what you have done in St Agnes's. Well, Jazzy's story is a fantastic story because Jazzy was quite young. She was only about in her early years, maybe of seven or eight, and she began the violin with us. Now, Jazzy was always a bundle of love just waiting to be discovered. And we followed her up. And sometimes we'd have to go down to the house and collect her. And different groups, Joanna, myself and different of the volunteers. And we'd get her up and then drop her home safely. She was a beautiful violinist. She had a soul gift for music. But the biggest thing too about Jazzy is the greatest moment of pride for us was the day she sat up on the roof and played Fiddler on the Roof as our fiddler in Fiddler on the Roof when we did the musical. We had this little ladder going up and she sits up on the corner of the stage. Great. Oh, it's beautiful. We had so many great fun with her all together. And then after that, um, then we tried to support her and get a little job locally and just to kind of give her a lift up when life was difficult when you're a musician and trying to find yourself. And then um, when she, like I used to go into the shops and the people would say, do you know that jazzy girl up there? And I said, oh, yeah, she was one of ours. My grandchildren are going mad about her songs. They're listening every day to what's going on up there. Well, I said, it's wonderful. But you see, um, we're not here to see through each other. We're here to see each other through. And people say, sister, um, 
How do you inspire people? I said, unfortunately, I'm not here to inspire anybody. I'm here to walk the journey together and we learn from each other. And that's the way life goes. It's not about inspiring our power. It's about walking the journey together. And I must say, we've also had a great success story with Rebecca Ross, who is a beautiful cellist, was nominated for High Achievers Award in the Academy, did a year in law in Trinity and then felt mightn't be for her. Mm. She came on a TUS programme last year. She's back doing her degree in, in um, Royal Irish Academy, loves every minute and is an exquisite cellist. Brilliant. And then we also have Kelly O'Neill, who is working in Germany and she did her degree and she's commissioned on the 11th to write a little song and the little sunny strings that our new general manager has, uh, Hilda, uh, they're going to kind of accompany her in, in singing her own song. So it's going from... And then, of course, we've people up to 80 and we've mother and baby music, three-month-old babies. So you've generational music, really, up where you are. In and, and multicultural. Look, at, I believe it's best to light a candle than curse the darkness. And if we can touch the hearts... I've seen kids that the system doesn't fit, the school system. And I can understand that. And these kids are brilliantly talented, but they need somebody to touch their heart and say... Yeah, we can work this out. It's how you win them. Do you ever, as we come to the end of our interview, sister, do you worry about funding and about the long term sustainability of your great project? I have no worries about funding. The money will come if the soul is right in what you're doing and you're totally other centred and there's no ego. The money will come. But I have one great blessing and that is last year I got this new wonderful general manager, Hilda Milner. And she, I, we work hand in glove. I have a new board of directors. So if I died in the morning, that project will go on. And we have a vision. We want to get a music and art centre for Crumlin. And if we can get somebody that has a bit of money to spare, we need to get that yesterday. There's no point saying a long term plan. We need that. And if we got that, that will save Crumlin because they are so talented, so musical. And then we can do different genres. And you deserve that. You're retired as principal. I can never see you taking it easy or retiring. You don't understand the word retire. No, I think we're a bit alike. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, as I say, I'll run out. I won't rust out. I'm very happy to keep going. And the joy of giving and receiving from others and what I have received from that project and from Joanna and from all of those who are involved in it and all of the neighbourhood in Crumlin. I could never repay. And all I can say is the secret of success of the whole project are the people of Crumlin that took their own power and responded to the invitation to join us. And we motor on on the journey as long as we can. Well, Sister Bernadette, you are a remarkable person. Thank you very much for coming in this morning. Best of luck with the 10th anniversary concert. It's on March the 11th in the Concert Hall in TU Dublin. And I know it will be a brilliant success. Yeah, God bless Miriam and thank you. You too. Welcome back to our show. Lots of lovely reaction to both Sister Bernadette and Emma Dunham. I'll bring you someone, Sister Bernadette. A big hello to Sister Bernadette. I met her through the National Children's Choir where her love of music and community were always evident. We shared some great Crumlin stories and it was wonderful to share with her a great interest and commitment to the value of music in children's lives. That's from Breda Fay. Another PJ Boyle and Clomel says, Sister Bernadette deserves huge thanks and recognition for her lifelong commitment to sharing her gift of music with others. Bernadette was our choir leader in St. Peter's and Paul's Church in Clomel in the 1990s. As teenagers, we learned beautiful music from her that still gives joy and hope in a world that needs it today.